0: Our scripture reading today comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, and I invite you to read along with me. In your Bibles or in your bulletin, hear these words from First Thessalonians chapter two. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was toward you believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as what it really is, God's Word, which is also at work in you believers. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Friends, I think
1: it's fair to say we've been blessed with some music today. Amen? It's interesting, as a pastor, I get a lot of weird questions occasionally. Um, You can imagine people, random people asking me, different questions as we meet on airplanes or different things, and even even right in here some of you occasionally come up and ask interesting questions, and one question uh, that is interesting to me that a lot of pastors get occasionally, it goes something like this, Pastor, do you prefer doing weddings or funerals? Uh, And my answer is always preference doesn't really have anything to do with it. I certainly find it to be an honor to participate in both, but... As I think about today, there is something meaningful to me and bold about proclaiming life in the midst of death. Today, I look at the faces and names of these saints that have gone before us over the past year, and I remember many of the memorial services that took place, some of them right in here or in the chapel or at a graveside. And to me, those services, that is some of the most important work we do As a faith community, as a church. I really believe that. And this week, as I've thought about those that we honor today, I've been remembering meeting folks. I've been remembering the relationships. I've been remembering hospital visits and then difficult news. I've been remembering prayers we share together in communion and last goodbyes. It's brought to memory difficult phone calls and moments of sitting and crying and, and not really just having any words in the midst of that. Loss does that to you, I think. It can leave you with nothing uh, but tears and the inability to speak. John, John Steinbeck captures it well when he says, it's so much darker when a light goes out than it would have been if it had never shone. And I think those are the, those first moments of grief. It's in those moments of darkness that the church faithfully... And boldly looks into the face of death and declares, You haven't won. Our loved one is not gone, not really. They've just moved on to a different part of the story, a different part of the journey. And that's why I think funerals, memorial services are important because whether for 10 minutes or an hour or somewhere in between, we put down our phones and our screens, we disconnect from everything else in the world, and we. Remember that even in the midst of pain and loss, this person, this saint that we loved so dearly, their story somehow fits into the larger story of grace and forgiveness and resurrection that God has always been telling. Sometimes I find myself wondering why we don't spend more time finding out where those stories intersect while we're together on earth. (laughs) But I know that time moves fast, and so. When someone goes before us, when someone dies, a loved one dies, we gather with all who want to join us, and we talk about what it was like to share life together, and we do our best to remember their story in the midst of ours, and more importantly, in the midst of God's story. That's essentially what Paul is doing in this letter. Paul and a few others write a letter to a church in Thessalonica, and the the whole first bit of this letter is spent remembering how it how it is that their stories intersected with God's and with each other's. Now this, FYI, I don't know if you know this, this is Paul's earliest letter, believed to be his earliest letter. This is one of the earliest writings we have uh, of a Christian document. And it was written just two decades after Jesus' death and resurrection. Two decades. That's it. Do you remember what was happening two decades ago from now? Finding Nemo just came out. That was two decades ago. Roger Federer won his first Grand Slam, that was two decades ago. Olivia Rodrigo was born, I don't know who that is. Gregory Peck, Gregory Peck died two decades ago. MySpace was launched two decades ago. The US seized Baghdad two decades ago. In some ways it feels like a long time ago, but in others it feels like just yesterday. And for the early Christians, what happened in Galilee and in Jerusalem, at Golgotha and at the tomb, and after all these things that occurred with Jesus, didn't happen that long ago. Sure, there are days when it feels like centuries have passed, but most days it feels like just yesterday. And this letter to the church in Thessalonica is written to some people that Paul loved dearly. He was very close with these folks. And he'd spent some good quality time with them, but without Paul there next to them, many in this church were worried what the future might look like. What are we going to do without Paul? We need Paul here. And this letter is simply meant to be an encouragement from an old friend that they might continue in love with each other and in faithful labor for Jesus Christ. Now, Paul spends the first chapter doing what, what he always does in his letters. He just thanks God for his friends. But the second chapter is devoted to remembering. Paul remembers their initial meeting together and the sharing in Jesus story. He talks about how there was a kindness and an overall ease to their relationship. Paul loved all his churches. He wasn't supposed to play favorites. But if he were to have done that, Thessalonica was up there. He loved those folks. Something just clicked when he met those people. That happens sometimes. And I'm sure in your lives there are those relationships or friendships that you have uh, that feel like just easy They didn't take any work. It felt like you'd known this person forever. And it's the same with churches too. Sometimes you can just walk into a church and feel right at home. A lot of you who have joined us in the last year or two have told me that when you walked in here, you immediately, you can't explain it, but you felt at home. Something clicked. And Paul felt that way with the folks that he's writing to today. And as he remembers their first encounter, Paul writes, we were so thankful and happy to share not only the good news of Jesus with you, but we were just thankful to share our very lives with you because we loved you instantly, immediately. And that's the joy of remembering what it was like to be around our saints today, isn't it? It was a joy to know them, to be in relationship with them, to eat with them, to joke with them, but most of all, just to share life with them. And then Paul shares what Connor just read. This is the message translation. He says, you remember us in those days, friends. We worked hard. We didn't want to be a burden to you while we were sharing the good news of Jesus. You saw how kind we were to you as fellow believers. With each of you, we were like a father with a child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God who called us into his kingdom, into this life. And now we look back on all this and we, we thank God. That's all. We just thank God that God is at work in you and God has brought our stories together. Paul is describing this faith relationship of a faith sharer and a faith receiver. He's remembering what it was like to mentor these new Christians and he's remembering what it was like for God's story to begin coming alive in their stories. He's reminiscing about the early days, about the long nights and the mentoring and the teaching and he's remembering it all fondly. He can't help but smile when he remembers those early days because these folks, I think, made it easy for him to love them and share the story of Jesus. Something clicked, but most of all, it was simply easy just to share life together. Community happened organically. Just sort of, things just sort of fell into place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian in his book Life Together, says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community but the person who loves those around them will create it. It'll just sort of happen. And that's the story of Paul and the Thessalonians. I think I think it's a fitting text on a day like today. That Paul is remembering and today we remember the time when our saints were willing to share life with us. When they loved us and out of that love a sense of community just sort of happened. We felt at home. We remember today their names and their faces. We remember the love and the care of these saints. We remember what made them special, what made them stand out. We remember what made them one of us. We remember their stories and their lives. Author Nancy Cobb says, Remembering is an act of resurrection. Each repetition is a vital layer of mourning and memory of those we are sure to meet again. And today we do the work of remembering. And we even remember the pain of loss, the pain of death. But even in the midst of that, we still, even today, proclaim life. And we not only remember, but we recognize today what is now at hand. These loved ones, these saints, are still a part of us, a part of what we call the communion of saints. What's that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Katie Shockley says it best, I think. She says, when we gather in worship, we praise God with believers we can't see. When we celebrate Holy Communion, we feast with past, with present, and future disciples of Christ. We experience the communion of saints, the community of believers living and dead. This faith community stretches beyond space and time. We commune with Christians around the world, yes, believers who came before us, yes, and believers who will come after us. We believe that the church is the communion of saints. And as a believer, you belong to the communion of saints. And so do those we celebrate and remember today. The communion of saints is a way of remembering, yes, but also a way of recognizing that we may be worshiping and sharing in communion physically apart from those that we love today, but we still do so together. We're not alone. Even now, we worship and participate in the body of Christ together with all the saints of the church. And this doesn't mean just the holiest of people. By the way, Paul referred to any follower of Jesus as a saint. So all of you are saints The communion of saints means that though we are now in different parts of the road, we are still on the same road and the same journey to God. We're still on the way. And we're all on that way. By the way, Jesus said to his disciples and friends, I am the way. He said, be like me, follow me, and you will go the right way. Indeed, today we celebrate and remember the saints who knew their way and who also knew the way. They knew Jesus, and they did their best to live their lives in accordance with that way on the right road, following behind Jesus. There's tons of metaphors in, in funeral literature for how to understand what happens after death. There's tons of metaphors people give for, for how we understand. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, and so there's different people who come up with different ways to try and understand it. And Leslie Weatherhead, Pastor Leslie Weatherhead in London, one day was asked, Dr. Weatherhead, do you have an idea of what happens when you die? I know Jesus says that in in the Father's house there are lots of rooms, many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? What do you think, Dr. Weatherhead, what does that mean? And Dr. Weatherhead paused for a moment, and then he said this, I think the act of dying means that you are, as it were, at the first inn at the side of the road. You rest there for a time and you greet your dear ones, but then you wake up in the morning and you find that there is a road, a way stretching on beyond you, and that there are more inns at the side of the road. And then you progress into deeper appreciation of human fellowship, but... Also, a deepening appreciation of divine fellowship as you continue to move along the road. Friends, today we recognize that we are part of the communion of saints, which means we are those who are moving on a road, on a way, seeking to do our best to follow the way, and we remember those who were a part of us, and I believe are still a part of us. And I can imagine today that these saints have woken up at an inn at the side of the road, have greeted friends and family and other saints, and now walk on the way with that great communion of saints who wait for us to join them. So take heart, friends, do not fear, for our communion remains unbroken. As Charles Wesley wrote, one family we dwell in him, one church above beneath. Though now divided by the stream, the narrow stream of death, one army of the living God, to his command we bow, part of his host have crossed the flood and part, are crossing now. So friends, may you travel the way the saints have traveled. May the memory of the saints lead you toward the way of Jesus, and may you join them further on the road one day. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we come in a moment to the table, remind us that that we do so with those who have gone before us, those who will come after us, and those who are with us now and around the world. Comfort us in that knowledge, O God, that at this table we are not alone. We worship and we feast with our saints. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.